Now then, I'm not 100% sure why I've been asked to speak on Father's Day with my whole uh, two months of experience, but, uh, and you know, clearly uh, Dark has beat me already, however, it's great to be with you this morning. Welcome to everyone joining us uh, online as well, and if you're visiting us this morning, then you're really, really welcome, and hope you're enjoying being with us. I do have one tip for any dads newer than me, so Luke, for example, my one tip for you, okay, would be... Um, don't just have two outfits ready for the baby. If you're going out, have two outfits ready for yourself. So first, I think first, second Sunday when we were coming um, here after the baby had been born, I was, think I was leading or speaking, and we had the whole operation planned. I was getting up early. I was getting ready, then getting the baby ready. Our pressures were getting ready, etc. It was all going to plan. We were leaving in two cars, and we were just like, just on time with no minutes to spare. And just like, okay, I really need to go now. And I hand the baby Josiah back to Precious, and I look down, and I'm covered in sick. <laughs> and I hand ironed another shirt, so I was late. So that's my top tip. Anyway, Josiah, my little boy, even though he's sick on me all the time, although he saves his explosive nappies for his mum so far, he brings me great joy. And so this morning, I thought I would share a couple of things that bring God great joy. So um, I've got a few for you here. So the first one is this. What brings God great joy is you. You bring God great joy. Now, in the accounts of Jesus' life, we see how early on, right at the start, before he did any miracles or um, went around teaching, before people really knew who he was, Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. And people came to John the Baptist to be baptized uh, to show that they were turning away from the things that they were doing wrong in their life and a life like a, apart from God, and that they were turning their hearts back to God and they wanted to do life with him and they were open to what God had for them. Now, Jesus, of course, hadn't done anything wrong. He was sinless and he didn't need to get baptized. But Jesus went and got baptized to identify with us as people to show that he God himself coming into the world as a man was in it with us, that he was for us, that he was with us, and that he was on humanity's journey back to God. And it was a signal of his rescue, which would come later when he died on the cross. And so this is what it says about Jesus' baptism. One day, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. And so even before Jesus had like done anything, before he'd done any miracles, before he'd done any teaching, before he'd been out there, even before he had done anything, the Father says to him, God the Father says, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. And crucially, this was in a moment when Jesus was identifying with us at his baptism. And this was a real act of humility for Jesus, because for any onlookers, seeing Jesus in the queue with the tax collectors and the person who, you know, uh, robbed his brother and, you know, or whatever, you know, they see Jesus in the queue and, you know, they don't know the real reason behind Jesus' baptism. And Jesus fully identifies with us and with our journey. And in that moment of humility where people looking on might have got the wrong idea, God says to him this, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. And so this is what God says over us too. As we identify with Jesus and put our trust in him, God says over us, you are my dearly loved son and daughter 
and you bring me great joy. Simon already just shared this with us. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Now, I've got to admit to you, okay, the first time when I heard someone teaching on this, I think it might have been Pete Gregg, actually, if you've seen Pete Gregg, I, um, I thought to myself, yeah, but, you know, this is Jesus. I mean, you know, come on. Yes, God may say that he loves us as well, but, you know, we're not his loved son like Jesus. And I didn't really believe it, you know. I thought, yeah, it's a nice idea, but, you know, come on. I mean, God, you know, this is Jesus, right? But then sometime later, I was reading um, something else that happened in Jesus' life. And this was just before the night that he got arrested, just before he went on and died on the cross for all the things that we've done wrong or ever will do wrong and took them on himself and died on the cross so that we could be forgiven for those things, so that we could have relationship with God. And uh, three days later, you know, Jesus came back to life again and he's alive now in heaven. And so when any of us put our trust in Jesus for our lives. He comes into our lives. He's alive now. We begin a relationship with God that lasts into eternity, and we get the gift of eternal life that Jesus won for us. So just before Jesus went to the cross and did all that, he was chatting and eating with his disciples and friends. They were having a meal together, and he began to pray for them. And then whilst he was praying for them, he stopped like praying for them, and he said, actually, now I'm going to pray for anyone in the future who believes in me. And so this is a prayer for us. And this is what Jesus said. I'm praying not only for these disciples in the room, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. And so here, Jesus prays that we would know that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And so we better believe it. And when we do believe it, amazingly, we're answering one of Jesus's prayers. Isn't that amazing? You, when you believe that, are answering one of Jesus's prayers. How amazing is that? I think that's fantastic. Anyway, maybe just me. So this is really important for us to know, and it's really important for us to know. Sometimes when we think, oh, you know, God loves you, Jesus loves you, we can switch off a little bit because we've heard it a million times. This is really important for us to know, to take it to heart, because Sean last week, remember, she talked about building foundations, the foundations of our lives. And this is something that is key, a key foundation for us to build our lives on because it brings freedom into our lives. So often our lives are judged on what we achieve, our successes, um, you know, this, that, and the other, like watching, the, um, you know, watching some of the athletics yesterday and when the pundits come up. And it says their name, and then like it lists all there, you know, four-time Olympic gold medalists. And there's always one who like, you know, one bronze medal. And then you've got the other one, nine gold medals. You feel sorry for that one in there. Because, you know, they're all there in front of us. But it's not about what we've achieved. The foundation is God loves you. And out of that, we live our life with a freedom that we go on to do those other things. And, and, uh, but that's not what causes God to love us or gives us value. Now, in the Gospels, there's loads of Jesus' prayers recorded, and obviously we see loads of um, times where, you know, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God are interacting. But did you know there's only two times recorded in the Gospels where we actually hear God the Father speak back to Jesus? So we hear loads of Jesus' prayers, but there's only twice where we see what God says back. And we've just seen one of them at the baptism. Do you want to see the other one? I'm glad you said yes, because we're going to. So this is the next one. 
This came a bit later in Jesus' life when his ministry and he was getting famous and it was kind of the pressure was increasing. And it was at the moment where it was like a turning point where he wasn't like new on the block anymore, but it was at the moment when he was turning his eyes towards the cross that was coming later. And so it was a key moment and a turning point. And this is what happened. At that time, it says, Jesus went up uh, a mountain to pray with Peter, James, and John. So it says this, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up to a high mountain to be alone. And as the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed, and his clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly bleach could ever make them. And so Peter, James, and John get an insight into kind of who Jesus really is, that, you know, Jesus really is God and man. And then this is what it says next. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my dearly loved son. Listen to him. And so of all the things that God and Jesus said to one another, of all the things that could have been recorded, of all the things we could get an insight to, these are the two things that they thought was worth recording, these simple words. This is my dearly loved son. And God says it twice. And so in this crucial moment of Jesus' life, God reaffirms it again. You are my son and I love you. Now we know that Jesus and the Father you know, we're in perfect unity and doing everything together. And so it'd be easy for us to think, oh, well, this was just for the disciples' benefit, you know, so they would listen to him. And this is just for our benefit, if you like. But at this crucial moment, with all that was ahead of Jesus, this was important for him to hear as well. That you're on the right track. I'm with you. Keep going. This is our plan. You are my dearly loved son. And so if Jesus needed to hear this, how much more do we need to hear this for our lives? God wants you to know, you are my dearly loved son and daughter, and you bring me great joy. This is what Paul wrote in Ephesians. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. Now, I learned something about Precious recently, which took me by surprise. This leads me on to my second thing that bring, brings God great joy, and uh, it is that Precious likes watching snooker, which I was not expecting. And uh, when it, her parents came to visit, not long after Josiah was born, and the world championships were on, and, and they all went to watch it. And apparently, the Precious parents are into the snooker, so she grew up watching it with them. So we spent many evenings getting the boy to bed whilst watching the snooker, and we were watching uh, this semi-final that was on at the time, Mark Williams, the Welsh potting machine. He's known as three times world champion, and he turned professional all the way back in 1992, which was 30 years ago, so he's one of the senior players. He's still at the top of the game. But in the second round of the tournament, he got drawn against a young Welshman called Jackson Page. And he's in his early 20s, might just be 21. And Mark Williams has been mentoring Jackson Page as he's been coming up through the ranks. And so they interviewed Mark about, you know, what does it feel like to be drawn against and have to play, you know, one of the youngsters that you've been mentoring. And it really struck me what Mark Williams said in his interview. He said this, it's going to be tough actually, because he's not just a friend, he's more like my fourth son, really. And if I'm going to lose to anybody and had to pick, it would be him. 
Isn't that nice? And that really struck me, the way you spoke about uh, this fellow player that, you know, he's not just someone I'd be mentoring, but he's like a fourth son. And I was, yeah, the way you put into, ca- into words in front of the cameras what Jackson Page meant to him. I mean, he still beat him by 13 frames to three, so we still thrashed him, right? So a bit of a competitive dad, right? But still, his words, you know, were there. And, and they actually made the headlines. They were, like, top in the, you know, in the sports news. Anyway, it's important for us to give words of affirmation to people in our lives. And this is the second thing that brings God great joy. In Proverbs, it says, the Lord hates evil thoughts, but kind words please him. And so especially for dads, with your children, with our children, to tell them that you love them and to do it often is really important. And this brings God great joy when we do that. Now, Jesus saw God answer his prayers and visibly in action, Jesus saw through actions that God, God the Father was with him, didn't he? You know, all the miracles, the teaching, all the answers to prayer, etc. God saw, Jesus saw it in action daily. But here, in what we've just read, we see that God also made sure he heard it in words as well. You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. The Father, God the Father, wanted Jesus to hear it in words as well as actions. And so words of affirmation are important. And for all of us across our relationships, whether that's with family, friends, or like Mark Williams and the, you know, the young lad he was mentoring, people in our workplace, people that we encounter, people that we you know, come across in our lives, to share our appreciation with words and to show value to others with words is powerful and is a way that we can express God's heart for people. And it brings God great joy because he loves them as well. You know, when you see it sometimes with parents, when their kids get complimented, how the parents are fleas, right? But when we compliment, when we affirm one another, it brings God great joy. Now, I know it comes more naturally to some than to others, but it's worth the conscious effort and the mental commitment to do it because it's powerful. In Proverbs, says this, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. So encourage each other and give each other strength, just as you are doing now. So that's the second thing that bring God's, brings God great joy when we speak words of affirmation over others. And then thirdly, hopefully, this will encourage our young people, because this one's for you. Now, we've got great young people in our church, and as a youth team, we've got a great youth team, and uh, we love hanging out with the young people. Sorry if this embarrasses you, this photo. I, I didn't look at it very closely, um, but hopefully you don't mind. It's only up for a second. Anyway, I hope this encourages you. In... Colossians, it says this, children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Now, we've got a brilliant youth team, and I'm sure you always obey your parents, okay? So I hope this encourages you. Now, when you do obey your parents, when you work with them, when you help them out, when you wanted to go out with your friends, where you've got to do a family trip to Auntie Mildred's 80th birthday, where you go with a good attitude, When it comes to those moments when you've got to work something out together, which apps are you going to have on your phone? Which social media can you use? How long can you use them for? When you go out with your friends, how long can you stay out for? And where can you go with them? And, you know, what, you know, and as you, you, you share your thoughts, you share what you want to do, you hear your parents' guidance and their boundaries, you listen, you come up with a plan together, and then you follow 
the boundaries and what you put in place together and what your parents say because they want to keep you safe, give you freedom, but keeping you safe at the same time. When you follow it, you might just think it's something that you have to do, but it's more than that. God sees it as well, and it brings him great joy. And even when no one else sees it, whether it's in the house so no one else sees, or you know your parents don't see you at school, but you know you, you choose to do what is right, even when it's out of sight, God wants you that he sees, and that brings him great joy, and it's something that he rewards as well. So well done, and keep going, and we think you're great. Okay, lastly then, number four. Something that brought me great joy. Well, okay, number four is this. It brings God great joy when we partner with him. And something that brought me great joy during lockdown was whenever we had a kid's spot from Tim and Max. Does anyone else? Anyone else? Yes? Now then. Because I was editing the films together, I'd get a little behind-the-scenes look at the footage, some of the outtakes, some of the... And it was very, very amusing. And it would bring me great joy when I was, you know, sat in the flat, editing together. I'd always look forward. There was lots of great things. But I especially look forward to a Tim and Max kid's spot and putting that together. Now, would you like to see a little clip, one of my favorite little clips? <laughs> because there's this one, because I'd go over them again and again and again with editing. Sometimes you'd spot little things. And this one, when they were playing top trumps, I noticed this little moment where Max realizes he's going to win. Because they got, you got, you know, the two different cards, it's the best out of 10, isn't it? So Max spots that he, his card, it's the final round, his card's got a good score. He probably played it a million times and knows all the scores, doesn't he? So he probably knows he's going to win. So what, see if you can spot the moment where Max realizes he's probably going to win and then tries to keep it under control <laughs> to, to, to go along with the game. So, uh, Ben, if you press play for me and then hopefully they'll be ready on the sound. So have a little look at this. Okay, final round time. Now, the scores currently stand at two points to Max, two points to Tim. Whoever wins this is the ultimate top trumps champion. Are you ready, Max? Tell the people at home, what animal have you got? The polar bear. The polar bear. That is interesting. It's battle of the bear time, I've got the grizzly bear. Okay, let's spin the spinner. What have we got? Brains. Brains. Okay. Polar bear, grizzly bear. Who's got the better brains? Who's the cleverest? Have a guess now. See what you think at home. Right then, Max. This is it. Tell me. How many points have you got for brains? Eight. Eight. It's a big score. I'm afraid to say the grizzly bear's only got six. Max is the ultimate champion! Whoa. High five, Max. There we go. Well done, Tim. We give Tim another clap. It is. Great part of those kids. Well done, Tim. So I think when he's like, I like that. Anyway, it was fun watching it. Uh, and to see Tim and Max laughing and smiling, you could see, you know, Tim, a little bit of a proud dad, having fun doing it together. I'm sure there's many outtakes as well, but you could see it was a lot of fun. In the same way, God loves to partner with us, and it brings him great joy when we join in with him to bring his good plans into the world, when we use our gifts to do it. Now, I love the moment when Jesus calls Levi to follow him and to be on his team, and it says this, later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting in his tax collector's booth. 
Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Now, the first thing that's amazing about this is that, you know, as you know, back then, tax collectors, they were considered to be traitors. You know, they were working for the Romans who were oppressing the Jews and had, um, you know, come in and taken over the country. So by working for them, you're working for the enemy, they were hated, they were seen as sinners, traitors, worst in society or whatever. But here Jesus comes up to Levi as he's in the middle of collecting people's taxes for the Romans, and that's where he calls him while he's at the booth. And so Jesus calls us where we are, where, wherever we are, Jesus calls us. Isn't that amazing? And I love how it says, when Jesus calls him, he says, follow me and be my disciple. Jesus, when he calls us to follow him, he doesn't say, oh, believe in me. I want you to believe in me in, my he- in your head, if you like. He wants us to follow him, to partner with him, to do life with him, to do it together. Come and follow me. I've got something for you to do. And this is what it says next. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. And so Levi, straight away, that same day, he joins in. He opens up his home. Maybe he loved to host people. Maybe he was a good chef. Or maybe he had servants to do it. And then we've got some great hosts and some great chefs uh, here in the church. But I love how Levi, he invites his work colleagues, his fellow tax collectors, and his friends over to the house to introduce them to Jesus. And he does it straight away. And so I love how Levi partners with Jesus in his unique context, using his gifts, using the things he likes to do, using the things that he's good at with the people that he knows. And each of us, we have a unique personality, unique places where we mix, unique people that we know, unique gifts. And God loves it when we partner with him and use the gifts he's given us to join in with his rescue of the world and to introduce people to him. Wasn't it great at the baptisms a few weeks ago when we had the three friends, Holly, Courtney, and Lara, and how they all shared, and I can't remember which way around it was, how, you know, one had invited the other to Alpha, one had invited the other to church, and they'd all invited each other and encouraged each other. Wasn't that, you know, really great to see? And the same for us, that we can join in and partner with God with what he's doing in the world And that brings him great joy. And I know in the men's weekend last one, this is one that we talked about together as men. How can we be doing this together? And I'd encourage us to keep focusing on that and doing that together because it brings God great joy. So here we are today, four things that bring God great joy that we can put straight into practice. Number one, you bring God great joy. You bring God great joy and he loves you. And that's simply for us to believe it. And allow that to settle in our hearts and for us to never doubt it, that you bring God great joy. And secondly, other people God bring God great joy. So let's affirm that in them. Let's give words of affirmation positively, encouraging, sharing people that we love them or we appreciate that about them or you did a good job there or thank you for serving me or whatever it is because that brings God great joy. Our young people, keep going. You bring God great joy. And when you obey your parents, even when it's hard, God sees that and he rewards it, so well done. And then finally, let's partner with God in bringing his goodness and his love and his grace and the message of Jesus into our world because he loves to do it with us. So shall we pray? Father, I thank you that you are a God who lavishes your love on us and that you say that we bring you great joy. And I pray for each person here now, would you come Holy Spirit and fill us in our hearts again with a deep sense and knowledge of your love for us. 
that everyone here would know that you love them and that they bring you great joy. And I pray, Holy Spirit, would you empower us as we partner with you to share the good news of Jesus, to listen to our parents and put their advice into practice and to tell one another that they are loved as well and to affirm the good things that you see in them. Help us to do these things together. In Jesus' name, amen.